Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count, and Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's oh, a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. I like to see. That is just a stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome to Under the Floodlights. This week on the show, Man City begin their sprint away from the rest of the league. Spurs and West Ham lose to a Liverpool bunch that were the worst team to play the sport one week ago, but now maybe aren't. Our old friend Jordan Pickford's back in the firing line for his T-Rex arms against Leicester. Newcastle striker Jalinton breaks COVID restrictions to get a haircut, but his barbers described him as not a bad lad, so that makes it okay. Chelsea begin life under tracksuit Tuchel, Newcastle received the Ringland bump and Mesut Ozil has been unveiled as the Fenerbahce player and will wear the iconic number 67 shirt. My name's Darren Scott and I'm joined with Bailey Hutchinson and Christopher Ringland. Boys, I love this game. <laughs> How this game can change in a week. Lots of football this world. week. Lots of football this week. 20 matches. Everything's mm. flipped around. World was ending last week. World not ending this week. <laughs> There's probably enough football last week, and then there's probably a bit too much this week. I have to say, completely agree. Completely Should have stopped agree. last week. Uh, mm. I suppose the only the fair place to start is um, Liverpool West Ham three uh, one to Liverpool. Liverpool have turned around the struggles that that they were going through. Um, beat Spurs during the week and now beat West Ham back up into Champions League spaces. West Ham, uh, who Chris was keeping things quiet about last week, um, well, mm-hmm. well, well and truly dominated today. Fair to say. <laughs> well of course I mean there's a, there's a couple of things uh, I mean f- first f- completely fair when Liverpool were better West Ham were worse um, that, that was a game of football <laughs> great analysis uh, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Redknapp uh, on the pod <laughs> I mean that, that, to be honest that's really what it was we had a bit too much again of Nat Phillips pandering oh how brilliant was this header how great was this block even though they're the standard things you do when you're a defender and he's two years older than Declan Rice. Um, I have to say, though, uh, for West Ham, one positive. Craig Dawson good has little, been good little player. stunning. Yes, great from corners. Um, just a bit of context about, about Doss. Uh, he has not played at all until January for us. Uh, start of the season, we had Diop and Ogbonna. That was going to be our centre-back pairing for the season. Diop was a shambles for the first part of the season. Dropped. Balbuena came in, was brilliant, undroppable, goes to play for Paraguay, comes back with COVID. So Doss has to play. After a couple of days after, he was talking of him being terminated as loan to go back to Watford. And he has been phenomenal. It reminds me a lot of um, Soyuncu at Leicester and Tarkowski at Burnley, where for a year or two years, nobody realised how good these guys were because they were just on the bench. Then they come in and they're like, PFA team of the year standard. So Dawson has been great. But yeah, fair loss. <laughs> uh, you were talking about D up there. There were some um there were some rumors floating about this week that in Liverpool's desperate panic to get a centre back in before the end of the window that they were looking D up on loan and West Ham were looking uh, a twenty million pound obligation to buy uh, clause, which uh, I think Liverpool 
probably understandably said well, we're not keen on that fellas uh, and have instead opted um, I think it's confirmed um, I'll need to double check but I believe Liverpool have yes. completed the signing of somebody called Ben Davis who plays for a team <laughs> called Preston North End <laughs> apparently and cup teams. Uh, yeah apparently he has uh, he is joining up with the the guys, um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Well, can we can we just talk about that? Because I find I find this pursuit of centre back fascinating. I don't know why you're saying like this before Bailey. So this this guy Ben Davis apparently was on his way to have a medical at Celtic before he got a phone call <laughs> to go to Liverpool. Now this guy is like your standard Championship defender, you know, kind of nothing special, not. But then all of a sudden he's getting the chance to go to Liverpool. But there was also talk, apparently, that the apparently I wouldn't know, of course, but the, apparently the best defender in the MLS is a guy called Aaron Long, who plays for the New York Red Bulls, who apparently, due to Liverpool's American ownership links, was the guy that was going to be brought in. Darren, uh, I don't know whether you heard this. I heard reports, but again, it was um, a fellow that I just hadn't heard of from a league that I didn't acknowledge existed, so <laughs> I didn't really spend too much time looking at it. Well, it's it's just because it, like this guy obviously never expected he'd ever have the chance to play for Liverpool. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. It's it's a weird one. It, I mean, it is a weird one. Um, I think the whole it's thing like about it's, man on earth. Well, yeah, yeah it, the whole thing. It, it's like at the start of the month there were conversations around. Jurgen was saying we're not bringing in a centre back. It's out of my control. Don't have it. Fuck. And then all of a sudden. On the 31st of January, <laughs> clearly in the last day or two, for whatever reason, they've decided, perhaps it's because Fabinho's now injured, which now means Liverpool have Van Dijk, Gomez, Matip and Fabinho injured and are now just at the part where if you have legs, you'll play at centre-back. Um, <laughs> so I think maybe that forced their hand a little bit. This guy had like six months left on his contract, right? Yeah, I mean, that that's obviously what the scouts were doing. They were looking for people who could come in at a day's notice. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to know here, like, the difference in chats he's had with the clubs. Like, the mood yes. around Celtic is a bit different to the mood around Liverpool. Like, I would love to know what, like, Neil Lennon has chirped to him and what Klopp is saying to him. Like, yeah. I don't imagine Jürgen's even, like, involved in this. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> funniest the thing... Jürgen's scouting goes down the Preston North End. yeah. I mean, the way, and in a roundabout way as well, it also probably is a good day for Steven Gerrard. <laughs> so nice. But going back, to, Reds. Yeah, going back to, yeah. to Liverpool West Ham, which Chris, you know, we tried to get away from there, but we'll run back to it. Um, but something I wanted to give the West Ham players credit for is mm. that a lot of them had pretty, and Dawson's one of them, pretty shocking hair, which is exactly how it should be in a COVID pandemic when hairdressers are shot. A lot of guys, <laughs> just lads. the hair's grown out a bit. Nat Phillips was exactly the same for Liverpool. The hair just looks a bit off. And that's good. Good for them. <laughs> and I wanted to, to say there's a few West Ham boys I noticed with that. Um, but I just thought, you know, from a Liverpool perspective, great to see this club are back. It was over last week. Now it's not. We've had a week where <laughs> Trent Alexander-Arnold looked like Trent Alexander-Arnold again. Great. Genie Wijnaldum looked very good. It'll be sad to see him go, whereas last week I was pushing him out the door. <laughs> James Miller looked good. It was their 12th different centre-back partnership this season in 21 games. 
<laughs> I love this change of mood. Like, this is, like even the fa face on Darren here is just completely different than what we experienced seven days ago. <laughs> Nat Phillips pocketed Haller a few months ago, pocketed Antonio today. Oh, I wouldn't say pocketed. The West Ham boys just kept lumping balls up to him. Yeah. <laughs> We're nowhere near him. I actually think West Ham could be a really decent outfit if they could find somebody to play in Pablo Fornell's position. I think the other attacking guys around him are quite good. Well, I think this is what the thinking behind the Jesse Lingard signing, Darren. Ah, uh, yes. I think you're right about that. Jaylings. Oh, yes. Um, uh, no, I'm, I'm, happy with, I'm happy with Lingard. But uh, Alpine Messi was on today, Darren. He was. And now, there was a, there was a bit of church. Now, Salah's goal was very good. Very good goal. Which one? Because of what Salah did. Um, everyone says, oh, look at that ball from Shakiri." You know, that was kind of, you know, he gave the ball to Salah. Shakiri had the length of the London Stadium to make that pass. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I think I probably could have made it. I know you, could. I know you couldn't. Without <laughs> much time. <laughs> without much time. I have definitely made crosses like that in my life with that much time and space on a pitch. This is Pele thought, stuff. Nobody's ever seen them. Yeah. <laughs> listen, the Valley Leisure Centers. Listen, head to Simone's, uh 3G in Sterling, and, I, listen, and I, you would have seen it there. <laughs> Convenient I, I that nobody was around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love like the phrasing of it there. It was just like, Shakiri just gave the ball to Salah. He's loved yeah. it up the pitch. I know. I mean, we've <laughs> we've said, it. yeah, we've said some things on this podcast that have been wrong, and we've been reminded about those recently. But uh, that thing that you've said, Christopher, might be the most wrong thing that we've ever heard. Disagree. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you know Liverpool were um, they were good, and it was nice to see them. They, I mean, they, we're not talking like their ruthless best of before. Um, but yeah, Salah was the difference, and, and that's great. I thought it was um, great to see Milner and Klopp having a bit of an argument when Milner got subbed off, and then I like that. The Curtis Jones, who came onto the pitch for James Milner, uh, created a goal not 15 seconds later, and then Milner <laughs> had to go over to Klopp and laugh and give him a hug as to say, okay, fair enough, you might know what you're doing here, fella. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, is, uh, is, is great to see, and uh, we talked last week about... Um, the fact that Liverpool's losing at Anfield meant that I no longer felt comfy and safe and happy. Um, it's nice to have that feeling again. It's nice to hear Jordan Henderson screaming on the pitch. There's a couple of games <laughs> where he didn't play. It's nice that I can hear his voice again. Good Millie, whenever Millie does something good. Stuff like that makes me feel safe. The classic uh, passion yeah. merchant of just, just put a Y on the end of yeah. every player's names. Yeah. And that makes him the best <laughs> mate and therefore, therefore captain material. Yeah, it's nothing intense. It's just you got to want it more. That's what Premier yeah. League football is. Forget technical <laughs> ability, the, tactics. It's just who wants it the most. It's the whole thing was like Solskjaer calling Rashford Rashi, you know. Mm. You only do it to the good players as well. You, you, you don't do that for the scrubs. No. In the team. And uh, what about Thiago? What do we think of Thiago today, though? Uh, I thought Thiago was okay. I thought, to be honest, during the week he... Has he fitted into the side yet? You know, you know you're know, saying he was taking a good while to settle in. I don't think he's fully settled in, no. Um, right. I thought against okay. Tottenham that he was, I don't want to say the, one of the worst players, because that's harsh. He, he was fine, but you know the other players who are more established in the team I thought had better games than him against, um, against Tottenham. He likes to dive in. Like he's, he's a bit radish. This. He's a bit, bit of a rat like Which this. Which is a yeah. side of his game that I didn't know. Um, <laughs> he definitely didn't do this in Germany or Spain. I was no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, but no, I still like the guy. Um, 
sometimes it's just the timing of runs because occasionally stutters and takes a little bit longer to try and dictate tempo and the guys running around them haven't quite got to grips with that fully yet but um no i think it's i think it's all good west ham also there were two games this week they beat crystal palace yes and we went yeah it was the fa cup before that um it was three um, two to west ham i think yes it was three two against um uh crystal palace and uh that put us in the um the position we were in where we could have gone fourth and leapfrogged you yes uh, in the champions league uh but yep uh we're listen they, we're on track e- even with that loss we're on track to have our best premier league season ever if we keep going the way we're um the only seasons where we finished on this rate was 97 or 98 when we finished fifth under high red nap mm-hmm. uh and 2016 last season upton park when we finished Two points of the Champions League above Liverpool and Chelsea, which nobody remembers because Leicester won the league. Well, you so, <laughs> you were saying last week about how um, David Moyes was not really getting the, the glowing praise that he was deserved for the job that he was doing this year. And this this week I did notice in a lot of the build-up to the Liverpool game, it, it was nice to see some of the comments they were uh, saying about him and, and how he's got the team playing. And obviously I think they're close to overtaking their total points from last season. Um, already uh, yes, this year, so uh, he he was getting a bit of praise this week, which was, uh, I suppose, good to see. But yeah, Liver- but yeah. yeah, Liverpool are back. But. That's what matters. <laughs> um, big week for Chelsea Football Club. Ah, oh, no. Where my my dark days from last week are over, Bailey. You feel like yours are still going on. I do, I picked that up on on Monday, all day Monday, all week. Been listening to a lot of Coldplay, a lot of Adele. <laughs> Tell you what, but like someone like you, what a tune! Like you forget how good that is at times. Like that is some song. Great piano, great piano. Yeah, but yeah, it's been an interesting week. I've I've done a lot of soul searching around the club and like a lot of thoughts about my relationship with the club. Because you know, I like to call like Chelsea are my team. I always call them. I always refer to them as my team. Yes. If someone says, "What are you doing tonight?" or "What are you doing the weekend?" Oh, my team's on. You know, stuff like that. But it's weeks like this where you have to realize it's not your team as a fan you have no control <laughs> I've, I've not at all for 18 months here i felt like it is my team i've had frank lampard the, the greatest ever player your manager chelsea your as, manager, as manager. Yeah. <laughs> he's my manager your manager exactly and he's been playing my players so frank last season set a record for chelsea managers and gave out eight debuts to academy players my players your players because <laughs> that's how I would like to see the club run so like if you look down the list of players he gave debuts to last season likes of Mason Mount, James, Gilmore Andrin, Bruja, Matson, Trick Lamptey Mark Gerhe so that doesn't even include likes, likes of Tammy Abraham and Callum Hudson-Odoi boys like that that is what my team is it's seeing these young lads come through I can wait a couple of seasons like a couple of rough seasons because I'll be honest some, some of the recent football under Frank wasn't great particularly Man City and Man City at home Leicester away and then you get the weeks like this where Frank gets the sack and you realise all of a sudden it's not your club it's Roman Abramovich's club and Roman Abramovich can do whatever he likes with his club in, so in Israel in Israel is the most as the richest man in Israel mm. And whenever the richest man from Israel decides that he wants to see his investments of Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Jorginho, you know, he wants to see them looked after, he'll make that decision. 
So a lot of this week, there's been a lot of backlash to some of the deadwood kind of around the club, the, the more experienced players who have achieved nothing at the club, by the way. So you've been gurning, you know, certain players who... Who's I've, that? I, I don't refer to some of them as names anymore. They're just numbers, Chris. So they're uh, not your players? Those ones specifically aren't your players? These are not my players. So no. if anyone wants to know who isn't my player and who's clearly Robin Abramovich's player, just look up uh, number two is hashtag Mr. Hustle on Instagram. Uh, number three, who uh, may have scored yeah. today, but I don't count that goal because he's back up, not my back player. Up. Back up. Uh, <laughs> number five, uh, Sari Sun. And <laughs> number 17, who was player of the season last year, but has been absolutely pathetic this year. Not my players. So yeah, it's... it's Clear to see, and it's one of those, it's worked for him. It's worked for Roman Abramovich, where for 20 something years here, he has hired and fired whoever he wants. And Chelsea have continued to win trophies here and there. But it really felt under Frank as though, for me as a fan, that it was my club and that there was finally a, a culture change. There's finally Chelsea men running the club and Chelsea boys coming through and playing for the club. And yeah, but it's clearly not that way. It's Roman Abramovich's club and he can do whatever he wants. He pays the bills. I don't. <laughs> mm. I think the worst thing about Frank Lampard being sacked, if you know, if we were to put our, ourselves in his shoes, is mm. that he's now not involved in elite level sport that would permit him to leave his house during lockdown. It also <laughs> means he's probably lost his entitlement to regular free COVID tests. And um, he now has to adhere to lockdown restrictions. He has to stay at home. Where, as we know, the only thing that there is to do right now is watch football. And I imagine that's probably the last thing Frank Lampard wants to do right now. I imagine if you watch the game today, if you saw the starting lineups, either during oh, the week against dear. Wolves or the starting lineup today, he'd be pulling oh. whatever's left of his hair out after mm. what he's seen recently. <laughs> the, I, I've complained to you guys about both starting lineups. And how I, as a Chelsea fan, felt betrayed by some of the decisions by Thomas Tuchel. Mainly by playing the likes of number two, who I think was one of the ones who's gurned most this season about not playing. Mm. And uh, for good reason, because Kurt Zuma has been Chelsea's, one of Chelsea's best three players. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. we'll disregard that because the German fella and his mates are having a bad time of it. Let's get them back in the team. <laughs> so obviously we'll get on. Tuchel is now in. Uh, oh. He's taken charge of two games. They drew 0-0 at, Wol- at Wolves before uh, winning today 2-0 against Burnley. Um, it looks like he's playing a back five. Back three, so back five. So looks like the random. Conte wing back thing. I, I don't really understand it because... I would assume a back five, you would play like a tradition, like sort of a more traditional right wing back. But he's been playing Callum Hudson Odoi out there. He finished the game on Wednesday night against Wolves with Christian Pulisic in one of those positions. Mm. I, I don't <laughs> understand him yet. I've not got the grips for this new guy at all. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, he's only been in two games, so we don't really know what he's doing tactically. Um, and because of that, we have to revert to. What do we think he looks like? What do we think he feels like? Those sorts of conversations. For me, I talked before about Frank Lampard, the progression he'd made this year as a manager with you know the various different textures of clothing that he was wearing. It was looking very fashionable. It was good. Now two cals in, it's tracksuit. I don't like that. Frank Lampard was also, 
you know, he was the build of a manager that I like to see. He was in shape, but he was still quite broad. I'm not going as far as saying thick, but he was broad. You know, he had a little bit of chest hair sort of poking out through the polo shirt. It was nice to see. Whereas Tuchel comes in, he reminds me of one of those hairless cats. He's slim. He's all skin. These sorts of things. So because of that, I'm not sold on the guy. <laughs> no, he, he looks like the villain from the first Captain America movie. Like, it's mm. hilarious. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you yeah. what, I've been, been seriously impressed by what he says in the media. Like, this guy, whoever's writing his answers, because there's no way he's coming up with them on the spot. <laughs> the guy, so obviously, seeing Frank Lampard be sacked by Chelsea, I was losing with, with the football club. This guy, bang on with every single answer. Bang on. Like, told me everything I wanted to hear. He was praising Mason Mount. He was telling me that he knows all the academy <laughs> lads. He was telling me Billy Gilmore's in his plans. Like, you selling me a dream? <laughs> like I, I just, I just don't understand this perception in football that he's elite. Like, because that's obviously part of the reason why they've brought him in. Is oh well, you know, he's German and you know, he's one of these one of one of these elite managers that Abramovich likes. I mean, I'm looking at his honors record, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, do we completely disregard all the French domestic ones? Straight uh, off the bat, do, do you watch league in football before you make? A rash yeah. judgment on it. Yeah, yeah, d- disregarded. So other than that, his honours, I mean, actually, it's actually listed that one of his honours is UEFA Champions League runner-up. That is not an honour. <laughs> no, that's um, called losing. Yeah, that that's first loser. Yeah. Um, his his one and only honour is to win the DFB Pokal with Dortmund, which is the FA Cup, essentially, for cool. Germany. Um, and that's that's his career. Mm. So I, like, I, I don't know what I'm missing. But I mean, I, you know, I'm you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he's got methods and stuff. But you know, we've seen the viral clip of how he had absolutely no authority over Kylian Mbappe because Mbappe knew that he wasn't elite. Um, <laughs> and but Chelsea's just one step down enough where he probably is elite to them, which just irritates me. I don't know. I reckon like there will have been a lot of loyalty in that change room to Frank Lampard. There will also have been a lot of disloyalty from number two and the people who aren't Bailey's players. But number three. Um, but there would have been, I think, a lot of boys, the, the academy lads, probably did have uh, a bit of a soft spot for Frank and, and buy into what he was doing. And um, I mean, per Mason mind. Well, this is the, th- this is the thing still. Like, what, the two games since, I didn't, I couldn't bring myself to watch the game against Wolves. I thought this, this is a bit too soon for me to watch my team or Roman Abramovich's team. But watching today, Chelsea, Chelsea's two best players were Callum Hudson Adoy and Mason Mount. Like, right? My players are still the best players in this team. Your players, the ones that were gunning to get Frank out, aren't the best ones. Mm. Like, this guy not want to go to Bayern. Is that not still a thing? So that was a money play, I think. Oh, was so it? Yeah, I, I, I like the th- I like the, the contract th- sorted. Yeah, I like the thought mm. of Wednesday just being too soon for you. I didn't know. <laughs> I like the thought of it being like a breakup where it's like you see them on Instagram with someone else, and you're like, I'm not ready to see that yet. I'm going to block you. Exactly. <laughs> Out of loyalty to Frank, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Mm. Out of pure loyalty to the man, what, what he's done for me, couldn't nice. do it. Good. Before we move on, I just wanted to point out I did slag Leeds off uh, a few weeks ago, <laughs> and um, oh. not to the same extent, but I thought the Stamford Bridge pitch looked a bit bobbly. Didn't like it. There's actually been a few, there was complaints about that from Tuchel himself. Mm. There was, oh, yeah. It's been the amount of home games. Uh, Chelsea have played a serious amount of uh, games at Stamford Bridge during January in a short period of time. I think 
five of Chelsea's next six games are away from home. Right. So hopefully by wow. that period's done. Also, Chelsea, not a team good under, under the lights. Not a team that's today, good under the lights. Today was Chelsea's first game since uh, Newcastle back in November. Played in daylight. First league game, sorry. There's been a right. few cup games here and there. Right. But, but yeah, first time in 72 days Chelsea have played a league game in daylight. Right, all right. Um, yeah, they're going to sort the pitch out. Um, uh, <laughs> so, uh, on to uh, the latest recipients of the Ringland bump. Newcastle United. Last week, Christopher, I think I'm quoting you and saying that you said they're absolute muck. They're down. They're down right now. There's no way they're not down. They beat Everton 2-0 this weekend. And you know what? They're still down. They're not. Uh they listen, listen, like, like, come on, right? For, uh, right, first of all, we all know it's thirty-eight games for a start. I mean, we've just, we've just, we've just had Brighton being Spurs there yeah. as well, and we'll go um, on to that. Yeah, um, you know, are we turning into Sky Sports pundits? I mean, we're not so reactionary that we base everything on, oh. Oh well, th- this has just happened, which means that X is going to happen now, despite the fact that we've changed our mind about six times. No, we do we do you, that ironically. No, no, no. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. First of all, first of all, Joe Linton is out the barbers getting his hair cut. Yeah. and all this nonsense. Yeah, so he's not available. Um, <laughs> and man for man, the way that they play. Callum Wilson is is a good striker and a good scorer. No, he's he's great. I wanted him to come to West Ham. Right, he's great, but he hasn't been at it recently. Overall, Apart from the two goals he scored this weekend. Listen, yeah. listen. Over the Steve Bruce is not going to change his tactics so significantly that they are going to now stay up because of now beating Everton two 0 Well, that, so- that was the worst run of his career before that game. Yes, but at the moment, the way the table looks, there is a seven-point gap between the relegation zone and Brighton, who I think are the next closest team. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there just looks like there's probably too much daylight. Newcastle are 15th. It's, Newcastle it's are one January. They're one point behind Wolves. You're not going to say Wolves are going oh, down? Oh, well, oh, well, well, I don't think Wolves will go down, but they're not in a good way. Uh <laughs> Like, Wolves let's, have, let's, let's be fair. Wolves have had a worse run for their last five games than Newcastle have. Uh, yeah, but bef- well, that's because that one <laughs> four losses, four losses and a win. If you actually go back to the previous, you're just you're just being a, a BBC pundit. It's it's if you almost back like to ten games. It's nine losses in a row. And it's almost a like Christopher that sometimes on this podcast we joke around. It's almost like <laughs> it's almost like we don't take it seriously. It's like what what do you mean? Are you telling me that something somebody said on the internet was not fact? You know, ch- changing facts to you know support like our own bias. Yeah, and, you know. Manipulating are you telling me so I have get a dig at you? Are you telling me I have substituted objective accuracy for the sake of a few cheap laughs, Christopher? Listen, not on this you show. telling me you telling me that Newcastle are going to stay up is just as likely as Barcelona winning the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> but again, with, with Newcastle, like their best player, or well, their their X factor player, Saint Maximum, has been out. Most of the season with COVID, right? Like he, he's coming. He's coming back. There's no way that lot are going down. I'm not saying but that Newcastle what? are a good team. I just think they're less bad than some of the teams below them. 
Uh, well, well, Harry Enright on match today saying Sheffield United are now up. So, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean who knows? Like that's and Big Sam story. had like... <laughs> Big, <laughs> Big Sam had the West Brom ones in for an hour after the City game, <laughs> which meant that he couldn't actually do the post-match interviews because everyone had gone home. Now, maybe that'll spark a reaction. Who knows? Um, you know, we'll get on to that later. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, listen, I, I agree. I don't think Newcastle are a good team. I'm not saying that. I don't think they're down just because of the sheer volume of teams below them and. If the England bump is anything to go on, they're likely to go on a bit of a run here for the next couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> Anyone seen Harvey Barnes recently? <laughs> yeah, now his best goal scoring season of his career. Um, Jordan Pickford didn't have a good week, so he didn't. He's I, back. He was getting. Where did he have a good week? Oh, well, he was getting slaughtered um, midweek. Uh, Everton drew one one with Leicester City because a Yuri Tielman shot from the edge of the box that was hit smack bang down the middle of the net went in because Pickford uh, went to ground and didn't get enough strength on the arm and it went <laughs> underneath it and into the net a uh, lot of calls on social media about his T-Rex arms uh, about the fact that he can't save shots from distance uh, people pleading with Gareth Southgate to please pick Nick Pope as England's <laughs> number one this summer BT yesterday we're, like, we're bringing up that England goalkeeper debate and they're like, oh, well, he doesn't make these mistakes for England. <laughs> you see, I, that, that, he doesn't I mean, play that for is, England it, every week. Yeah. It's, it, it's not a debate. Nick Pope is the goalkeeper for England. Like, it, it isn't a debate. Yeah, I agree. Like, That's also one of yeah. them managerial ones where Southgate obviously gets to pick his team, you know. Mm. Somebody I did want to talk about, or a team that I did want to talk about this week, partly because I just felt like they haven't got the airtime that they deserve, given how good they are, is Manchester City are so good at football. Oh, well, it's annoying. So they are. So again, well. good week for them this week. They won one nil uh, this weekend, and and during the week they also beat West Brom five nil. Like the run that they're on at the moment is crazy. So they've. Conceded two Premier League goals since the 22nd of November. <laughs> um, which means we probably need to start having conversations about Ruben Diaz and is he any good? Because all of a sudden they don't well, concede goals they'd, anymore. They'd um, bump, yeah. Gundogan has all of a sudden become the best player in the league. He has seven goals <laughs> in his last eight. Again, nobody's talking about Gundogan. If it was Bruno Fernandes, it would be all over every newspaper, every headline on the internet. Gundogan's had an unbelievable season. He is. And they're he doing is. this without a striker. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, Ruben not... Diaz. He's one of these guys that have got serious Rolls Royce of a player. Like Good looking, yeah. quick, has got everything about his game. Like Doesn't make a single mistake. You're going, why did no one else go in for him? Mm. Because the guy's quietly come like no fanfare at all to this signing yeah really and then no fanfare at all as we've said we've barely talked about man city no one's talking about city whenever you you watch them you're going there's nothing wrong with this team no they are phenomenal yeah uh, ruben diaz as well another player who looks like he hasn't had a haircut during lockdown good to see and uh ruben diaz is younger than us for context for anyone listening we are 24 <laughs> Now, that is staggering to me. He's bigger than, he's, is he bigger than you, Christopher? Christopher's the biggest of the three of us. Um, I, <laughs> Just say yes, no one knows. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes with quiet confidence. Yeah, you think you're bigger than him? I don't think um, you're bigger than him. 
I've, I've no idea. <laughs> I don't I've think no you're big enough. You're not as oh, thick as him. Yeah, I'm starting off as thick. They're like, but yeah, I mean, all in agreement that they're probably going to run away with the league. hundred percent. Three points clear at the moment with a game in hand. But this is what we're saying because, I mean, like objectively, yeah, but they got smacked at the start of the year by Leicester. So I think this can always happen, you know. But everyone's yeah. been smacked by someone. I just, you know? yeah, that's what I mean. They had like, a slow start, yeah. but they're not like there's nothing about them at the moment that you think, oh yeah, they're going to drop. You know, you look at Tottenham this week; they lost to Brighton, lost to Liverpool. They, they dropped six points in a week. Oh, you just oh, don't, yeah. like I don't see Man City ever going through a spell where they drop six points in two games. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, they probably will. Uh, and also, Cancelo is absolutely like he, he reminds well. It's a bit like Pep's fullbacks in the past, like Danny Alves and stuff, who are like much more than a fullback. He basically plays like attacking midfield mm. from right back. Um, yeah, yeah good, good. I, I was going to bring up Gundogan as well, separately do, Darren. Um, what a season. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, like the, the guy, that goal he scored against West Brom was unreal. Yeah. Maybe a contender from the floodlights goal of the year. And De Bruyne is out injured and like nobody's batted an eyelid because Gundogan's scoring goals every week and they're just steamrolling things. Foden's yeah. unbelievable. Bruno yeah. Silva just steps in. Foden's uh, Torres for, for the goal against Sheffield. Great bit of work from him. Yeah. Like the, the Sheffield defending for that to be outmuscled by a lad from La Liga. <laughs> should, like I imagine Wilder was going nuts about that mm. uh, afterwards oh, going, lads. You know, he's been playing in Spain. Don't get out muscle there. And yeah. he watches two of his defenders get done. And like that's an example of how under the radar City have gone. That we're 21 games into the season. I still couldn't tell you anything about Ferran Torres. <laughs> <laughs> he came in, he came in for a big whack of money. Usually the type of thing that like the spotlight would be on those sorts of players. And it's just Man City this year have just gone so under the radar. I don't know if it's because they started late and therefore were kind of like lower than everyone on the table until they've gone on this run or whatever the reason. But like, I could tell you nothing about that guy. But City as well are one of these teams that do just randomly sign like forty million pound players from La Liga. Like if you go like through the list of like the Negredos of the world, you know they just mm. do sign someone from Valencia every two three years. <laughs> that's quite good at football, and then leaves. Like there is here's your Nolito. Is that that's oh, definitely yeah. a name? Oh, he he was awful. He was awful. But this is the thing with Man City. I yeah. think that's why they do kind of go under the radar. Is Man City for like this? This will be their ninth year going on to ten years in a row where they've had the best squad in the Premier League. Like not even close. Um, Every single season uh, they've yeah. had the like as a twenty-three man group, they should have won the league every year for the past decade, and then the Premier League would have had to fold because ten in a row means the league's dead. Well, I don't think under Pellegrini. Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. No, absolutely. They've been the best squad. Liverpool got close last year, but I think as a 23 man unit, yeah. Man City. Liverpool, have, have, a Liverpool have a great like, 12, 13, 14 guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back, back that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they do. Man, man City have 23 just ready to step in at any time. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, we'll just throw somebody a debut that you've not heard of who's 21 years old. It's just like I, like the Eric Garcia's of the world. Like, hey, can you come in and make your debut against Tottenham Hotspur? And they're like, yes, I can. And I'll probably put in a 9 out of 10 performance. Yeah, there's one forgotten man that 
Man City, uh, Bill, you're a fan of them. It just shows you how they can throw 50 million around. The place doesn't really matter. Nathan Ake? I completely forgot Nathan Ake's at that football club. Yeah, he's there. Like, it's, it shows you what City have done, like, centre-back-wise as well. Like, they've Laporte, Ake, Ruben Diaz, John Stones, all just ready to step in at any time. Nathan Ake can play a bit of left-back as well. I was crying out for him to come to Chelsea. Yeah. yeah, he's just kind of been lost in the mix at Man City. Again, shows why they have the best 23 man group in the league. Yeah. They have a player of that quality at that price as well, who's kind of just there. Well, I go back to the loss to Bruyne this week for six weeks, their hamstring injury. That, you could honestly say that that's probably not going to affect them in the slightest because <laughs> they're so good in midfield. It's like, yeah, okay, nobody's got the perhaps the uh, quality that, that he has, but like they'll be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's so 100%. annoying. So it is. Like that's so annoying. Like other teams you saw in you know, Liverpool have lost Van Dyke. If United lost Fernandez, Spurs have lost Harry Kane and oh. just seem to have lost a bit of that impetus as well. And you just think can, Yeah. Can you imagine uh, if United lost Fernandez? It would be like if Barcelona lost Frankie De Jong. <laughs> <sighs> Billy who's in the mud this week? This week, uh, we're going to chat about uh, techniques to change form. So as we know, uh, teams can go through dips in form and may need a bit of something to get out of that, whether that be something done on the training pitch, you know, manager saying something, or, you know, some clubs might take a mid-season trip to Dubai in the middle of the pandemic. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But I was, uh, <laughs> I seen the story this week. Uh, the photos, really, of uh, Thomas Tuchel, uh taking uh, training on Friday with Chelsea and the players were using smaller footballs because when the Premier League can change the offside rules twice in the same year, there's a chance they could change the size of the ball at the same time. <laughs> uh is actually quite known for his weird and wonderful training met- uh, methods with uh, some sessions, including players holding tennis balls to try and encourage them not to pull on other players' shirts. And he's also... Uh, brought in diamond pitches to encourage diagonal runs. So I kind of took oh. this as a way to look at other managers and what other managers do to try and change the mood of the club. And first, uh, we've got uh, Brendan Rodgers. So as shown in the documentary Being Liverpool, uh, Rodgers began <laughs> his time at Anfield showing the players three envelopes and explaining how he'd <laughs> written down the names of three players that he predicted would let Liverpool down that season. Uh, Glenn Johnson, who was uh, Liverpool's right back at the time, uh, opened up about this stunt and explained how it just simply didn't land. Uh, Glenn said, I remember I was looking around like, is he fucking serious? (laughs) Uh, He also said, and then over the course of the season, hoping that everyone's forgotten about that meeting and no one brought it up. Uh, Glenn Johnson, who played under Rodgers for three years at Liverpool, suggested that the uh, Northern Irishman had a tendency to try too hard to emulate Jose Mourinho. Johnson <laughs> said he's got many of the mannerisms from him, which almost seems like he's trying too hard to be Jose. Uh, so we'll go on to Jose as another man who tries a few stunts to try and get a bit more out of the players. Uh, so we'll start with Jose and the Iberian ham. Uh, Iberian ham, for those that don't know, is one of the most expensive cuts of meat you can get, with uh, prices ranging around €5,000. And this season, uh, Jose made a bet with defender Reguillon. If he was able to stop Manchester City's Riyad Mahrez from dribbling past him, 
in their Premier League contest, Mourinho would buy him a ham for Christmas. Uh, Radion held up his end uh, and won all four of his one-on-one matchups with uh, Mares, and Spurs would win 2-0 that day and would also go to the top of the Premier League table with Jose writing on his Instagram, a promise is a promise. Uh, Mourinho's other tactics include uh, telling Frank Lampard he was the best player in the world whilst the rest of the team shard, according to Joe Cole. And Joe Cole said around the same time that Mourinho would not speak to me as he he felt that if he did, that I would not reach my full potential. It's just a few things from a few guys of the Mourinho school there, but a great one here. Big Sam. Big oh, Sam. Yes. How he how he motivates his players. Pint of wine. Real old. Real old school manager, you know, <laughs> writes his writes his team sheet on the on the back of a cigarette box, you know that type. Uh, <laughs> Ex Blackburn defender Gail Givet. 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 G i v e t. I'm just I'm just hearing that in training. Going Givet. <laughs> I mean, bit of culture, really. Bit of culture. <laughs> The guy played for France. I mean, come on. What did so, he play for? I, was he good enough to play for France? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like we don't do our research. <laughs> <laughs> well, Givet <laughs> recently <laughs> revealed that Allardyce tried to motivate his players before taking on a Champions-elect Manchester United many years ago away from home by using a tactic of showing players clips from warrior films. In an interview with a French publication, uh, he recalled, we had warmed up and then went back in the changing room. While we were putting on our shin guards, he, Sam Allardyce, said, guys, wait. He put on a projector and showed us a montage of the films Gladiator and 300. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to know how that went, uh, Givet recalls, after 30 minutes, we were down 3-0. And we eventually lost that day 7-1. <laughs> the unusual pre-match uh, routine backfired as the Blackburn defence were breached five times by Dimitar Berbatov <laughs> and followed by a goal for Nani and one for Jisung Park. What a day for Big Sam and his strange, strange movie choice. And finally, I want to just get away from the world of soccer and go to the NFL for a great motivational story. I loved it. This was too good not to put in. And it's coach Tony Sperano, who was uh, an interim coach of the Oakland Raiders in 2016. The team started out 0-4, fired their coach and Sperano came in. Uh, So whenever the team came back after their week four bye week, Sperano uh, went too heavily into the metaphor of kind of burying the past. Uh, Players came out to training one day and noticed a hole in the ground uh, as Sperano buried a football to literally laid to rest the terrible start that the team had and if anyone wants to know if this worked and if any new managers maybe Thomas Tuchel could go along with this if anyone wants to know if it worked uh, the Raiders lost their next six games and finished the season three and 13. Well there you go. There we go. Mean, Thomas Tuchel please none of that. None of that. I mean I love some of these like obscure stories like the Brendan Rogers three envelope thing sounds like something straight out of a business management textbook um David Brent stuff yeah I was gonna say it's Michael Scott um whichever <laughs> side of the pond you're on for the office it's the office uh it's that sort of stuff I mean Big Sam who'd have thought that watching a film before a football match wouldn't work <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to rally your players up with a bit of Gerard Butler 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd love to be in a change room. I mean, Christopher and I once had a coach who um, said to us that if we went unbeaten until Christmas, he would do the milk challenge. <laughs> and did that get you get you up for it? Uh, I think to a certain extent, yes. We were we uh, I think suffered defeat at the end of November, and we're annoyed that we probably only needed to hold out for another three <laughs> games, um, for that to so, for that to have worked. Um, so I think this is kind of a good one. If anyone out there actually wants to get in for next week, if anyone has any good like random coaching stories, because I imagine there's at lower levels of various sports. There's definitely plenty of these mad stories from coaches trying to get a bit more out of players, you know, thinking there's someone. So if people want to like write in to us with a few coaching stories that'll give us a laugh, please do. Yeah, please, definitely. That's a great shout, actually, if people could write in. I mean, I have a couple. I remember um, I remember having a manager uh, at the amateur level that I played at once uh, drop me to the bench. Uh, on the last game of the season and justify it by saying he was resting me and I was thinking <laughs> for what <laughs> we're about to not play this game for two months <laughs> yeah so um, if anyone else has been rested for pre-season please let us know <laughs> yeah so please do if anyone does have any stories about uh managers and, and different times in the amateur game please do send those in we would love to read some of those out um I'm trying to think if I've had any other uh, decent ones in my time. I mean, amateur football, the level I played at was basically, it was nothing to do with skill or tactics. It was basically about um, who wants it the most, how good was your warm up, despite there being absolutely no correlation between a good warm up and a good match. Um, <laughs> it would be a lot of stuff like that. So it, please do. I'm sure there's a few belters out there from people from their own playing days. Um, we would definitely love to have those in. Regardless of sport as well, like whatever it is. Oh yeah, absolutely anything. Absolutely Just anything. Just mad coaches. I think uh, that pretty much brings us to the end of today. There is something that I wanted to touch on very quickly, and it's um, Patrick Bamford, somebody that I've um, probably not given as much praise as he deserves this year for the role that he's doing for, for Leeds. Scored a couple of great goals today against Leicester. Um, but something I never noticed about Patrick until he did his interview after the game is, God, how beautiful are his eyes? Great eyebrows. His eyes oh, are handsome just... Young man. His, he's got like these baby blue... Oh, I just want to swim in them. <laughs> and it's completely <laughs> changed my opinion. Before I would have thought like, oh, a guy was pretty wasteful in front of goal. I've just seen he has these beautiful blue eyes and I think, what a Premier League striker. This is why... He actually mentioned this in an interview earlier in the season. This is why he didn't play much for Burnley, because obviously he's playing under Deitch. So I don't imagine Deitch too, takes the, the same view as we do. Of, oh, look at that, look at that pretty boy up Too up. pretty, yeah. Cool. He also, I didn't know also that. said in that uh, same post-match interview, he has himself in his fantasy football team, which I really like. Yeah, I, I think, because <laughs> on a serious note, there's a lot of players, you play 90 minutes of football, um, a lot of players no disrespect intended to them but don't come across as the sharpest tools in the toolbox and you ask them questions and they come up with pretty dumb answers where Patrick is somebody I thought very eloquent uh, able to get a little bit of humour in good presence of mind after running around for 90 minutes in a Leeds team that people have said all season apparently do run for a while um, <laughs> so yeah great Patrick's really changed in my eyes this week there he is hit him up Patrick yeah slide him in the <laughs> Patrick on the show talk about his eyes <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, that brings us to uh, the end of today, boys. Thank you very much for both being here. Um, 
Liverpool are back. That's the most important takeaway for anyone listening. Liverpool are back. They might be gone again next week because they play Man City, but right now they're back. Oh, do you? We do. Right. He's got a smile on his face here. We'll leave it on that. (laughs) See you next week.